I'm Lauren. And I'm Annie. Welcome, Welcome to, to Burf Barf! <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's, uh, it's time for something new. Today's episode is brought to you by the question segment of every other runner podcast <laughs> that's ever been done. One of my favorite parts of new guests on a lot of shows like Ultra Runner Podcast or Ginger Runner Live is when they have a guest on for the first time, they have a set of questions that they ask at the end that are sometimes running related, sometimes completely off the wall, and I just think that's usually my favorite that's part my favorite of listening part. to a new yeah, guest. I, I secretly don't give a fuck about how famous people train because, like, it's so unrelatable because I have a full-time job. Exactly. So I want to know, like, you know, like, yeah, how do you How do they take their pizza? cereal? <laughs> yeah, like, what's your favorite candy? And like, What's the last thing you do before bed? Do you pick your nose and eat it? Like, I want to yeah. know the, the nitty-gritty about those people. Not, like, yeah, I spend eight hours a day doing, like... You know, running. This is how many midday naps I have. Yeah, we know you live by the fancy mountain, and we know you have nothing to do but fucking run it. So shut up. Got it. So today's episode is nothing but Lauren and I asking one another questions in the same vein of uh, those who have come before us. And James Lipton. We promise nothing. <laughs> we pro- We don't promise high quality. We just promise off. Off. Uh. Some off off the cuff off the cuff questions. <laughs> yeah, I was I had thought about it today. Like, oh, should we have a time limit on responding to each question? I was like, no, because if we go want to go on a tangent, mm-mm. we're gonna go on a tangent. It's gotta be organic. And we both wrote questions for each other. Some of which we've looked at. Some of which we have not. So I can't guarantee that I know the answer to some of these questions. Just because I like I don't know. Like I don't like like know myself right now. Right. I'm just feeling like really out of touch with myself right now. Yeah. No. But I do know my own history, so those I can do. But sometimes it's hard to... Well, we definitely can pass on questions. I do also see yes. this spiraling into, like, a ask-me-anything kind of format online. Okay. So, like, we can oh, post along with this yeah, episode. Because yeah, yeah. I love a Reddit AMA thread, which I is just, like... I didn't even know you looked at Reddit. Yeah, I did. Oh, oh, so you learn something new every day. <laughs> uh, so, I love the whole ask-me-anything format. So, yeah, I would love do. to open it up to you all after this. Because I'm sure there's questions that we did not think I'm sure one you're another. dying to know if we pick our nose and eat it. Or, like, how we take our pizza. I definitely pick my nose. I don't. Don't eat it. Yes, I definitely pick. I mean, I pick my nose and wipe it pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry about every time I've ever come to your house. Whatever. It's I mean, already you, covered in filth. Yeah, I mean, I put it in the places that are already dirty. Uh, and I take my pizza with this, banana peppers. It's like a cocktail. How do you take it? Okay. Yeah, how do you take your pizza? Yeah. Uh, banana peppers is always a safe bet. I want to pretend like I don't eat pepperoni on pizza, but I do. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm also a vegetarian whose favorite pizza is pepperoni and <laughs> banana peppers. I didn't know that you had the same favorite pizza as yeah. me. It's just because I haven't been able to eat meat in a few years. Also, it should be noted that if you are stuck being the person that orders pizza for a large group of people that you don't know what kind of pizza yes. they want, get pepperoni and banana peppers. It is the most crowd-happy crowd really? favorite. Oh, yes. man. I live with someone who does not care for it. But now that I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> like the most unwilling cheese, vegetarian ever. A cheese pizza with just banana peppers on it is sad, sad, a sad. Whole, yeah, I was just going to say a whole cheese pizza just for me. Uh, I guess now it's olives. I don't know. Oh. That's really gross. I'm Ew. sorry. I know. I'm disappointed in you. What do you do you? when you can't eat pepperoni? We haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. But hey, we've covered nose picking and how do you take a pizza. I mean, those are important yeah, things about someone that you love. Okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off. And, yeah. Uh, 
and just go straight for the meat, which is, um, I think that we've talked a lot in the past about um, imposter syndrome. Um, and that's why I'm asking you, what was your first race where you really felt like an, like a runner? Upcoming? <laughs> Not yet. I'll tell no, you when it happened. You're kidding me, right? So I think if, I think one that made me feel like a runner was the Chase Turkey Trot three years ago. Fucking insane. And I ran. It's so insane that that's your answer. I ran like a 725 pace, which for me is you run fa- phenomenal. You ran faster than that because I ran a 725 at the same race and okay. you beat me. You so ran like under, a 717. Something like that. Because I remember thinking if I trained specifically for this, maybe I could go sub seven for a four miler, which for me is insanely fast. Yeah. Also, it's really funny to me. So I felt like a runner because I just had never run that fast for that long. Yeah. And the people that I was with, I was with like Brendan and the Redskies and Drew. Did you blaze them? No. I was the last one done out of the group that I was in. So I was like, you know, coated in my own sweat crystals after four miles. And I was like, oh my God, that's the fastest I've ever run. And they're like, we took all the rest of the pumpkin pies. Fuck (laughs) once. But yeah. But amongst us mere mortals, we were like, I was like, oh no, I can't be friends with you anymore. (laughs) You have gotten too fast. I'll never be able to catch up with you again for the rest of my life. Everything's ruined. But yeah, I think that's when I first felt like a runner because it was kind of like the first stereotypical yeah, like, runner experience exactly. that I had. Like, yeah. a lot of people running going, fast with good form in road shoes. In, in single-digit pace. Yeah, yeah. single-digit pace. Have yeah. you considered that? It's very funny to me that instead of saying, like, running for 200 miles straight is not when you felt like a real runner, it's when you ran a four-miler on fucking Thanksgiving for a piece of pie. I know. Now, now you say yours. Oh, Okay. Uh, golly, I think. Tell me when it happens. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple. I I think that I, I sort of magooed into my first race without knowing that I was supposed to feel the imposter syndrome. So my first race ever might have been this race. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I then get that. and then I fell off and got back on again. But the first time I ever felt like a runner was the Commit to Be Fit 5K in like 2010, where uh, John the Penguin Bingham was the host. Which might also cross out another one of your questions. I know, okay. mm-hmm. but uh, he was the guy who wrote a couple books about being sort of like a beginner. And the medal said, um, "It was it's not that I had the courage to finish; it's that I had the courage to begin." And I like openly wept in the streets when they gave no. it to me. It was the first time I had run that far, and I ran fast at the time. I mean, I ran like a nine twenty. I was listening to the Newsies, full blast. Because I have it, which has not really changed that much. It's just evolved changed. to different musicals. Yeah, it's always going to be musicals or Disney music. I can't. It's what inspires my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wore all fleece and sweatpants, and I ran oh God. feeling like my my ponytail flap in the wind, and I just felt like, I'm fucking doing this. Yeah. It was glorious. That, that's a great way to start. It was. It, all, it was all down the hill from there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to pick a frivolous one. What is your favorite junk food? Uh, I have a lot. I really love junk food. Okay. As have you know. Uh, God, I think it's changed a little bit since the last time I I raced hard. I had, like, five different kinds of potatoes, and that was, like, just so juicy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I don't know that you can consider powdered mashed potatoes a junk food, but I yeah, really... Yeah, it's kind of a not food. If you put... If you crumble potato chips into powdered mashed potatoes... That really is like the hot peak sauce? of it. Yeah. That's... That and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups forever. For life. It's a good choice. <gasps> good choice. Uh, what's, what's your favorite junk food? Raw cookie dough. Oh, shit! I mean, raw cookie dough. That's is mine. Like, I mean, no, that's, that's definitely like a it. thing that I, yeah. Oh yeah, I, as a child, I remember fantasizing about being able to take it and shape it into an apple and then bite into it like an apple. Mm, apples. <laughs> Good for you. I don't know why that was what my child brain thought, but it was like, wouldn't it be sweet if? Uh, Andy and I have an app where we have like you can store recipes for you both to see like through URLs. And I was trying to tell him where something was for a dinner recipe. And he was like, why, why have I never had any of this from this recipe of cookie dough for two, an edible <laughs> cookie dough for two. And I was like, because I make it and I eat it all. Like the recipe name is specifically cookie dough for two. And I'm like, nope. Does it not have raw egg in it? Is yeah, that why something it's like that? It's like oh. microwave the flour so you don't get, the bacteria or whatever oh, in the egg, but it's good. Well, what yeah. you like is the bacteria, yes. really. That's what, <laughs> no, that's that's what, what makes it the good. <laughs> uh, and also just straight chips. I've like, uh, chips was a thing I moved nah. away from for a long time, and now I'm like on the straight Doritos train, which was... I know, I've watched you I be know. on the Doritos train. I know. And I sit horrified sometimes, but then also partake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that and the honey those little barbecue curly twist. cute things. Fuck those. Yeah, the things. Fritos honey barbecue twist Fuck things. things. Like I oh. wish I I wish I could eternal sunshine that fucking snack food. Yep. Um, your turn. What is your favorite article of running clothing? It can be anything, head to toe. Like I know at this some point it might have been like your your wubby like years and years ago. But I think we've all moved away from having your wubby be... Sorry, we should clarify. Your wubby is your backpack. Your hydration vest. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's your hydration vest. <laughs> uh, it's just what I call your hydration vest. I'm not going to pass, but I'm going to have you list yours first. Right now, if you know. mine's brand new. Oh. Yeah. And it is the Burf Barf bandana that you made us oh, for our last race. That is a race. good one. Uh, I've already we've already had some inquiries about that particular item via the internet, so we may have to make the uh, design available to folks so they can grab Exclusively it. Exclusively via Patreon. Yes, indeed. That's a good one. It, Dang, I wish like I would have thought of that. My yeah, blankie. like I love it. I love the fabric. I love the print. I love the logo. Uh, I know maybe that's very self-serving because it's about my podcast, but man, do I mean like I could drag I like it an article the house. of clothing with me on it. <laughs> you know, the best part of this thing is that it's me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mine right now. I tried to think of something better, but I, I couldn't. When I thought of, which tells me I need different running you clothes. Need if, new I'm, stuff. if I'm not like in love with something that I'm wearing, like I don't currently love any headgear specifically. I have a black tank top that says in big white letters, stronger than a mother. Yeah, that thing And rules. that's probably my favorite piece of running clothing. It's like, really good. It's comfy. I just like that it implies the word father, fucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that people can look at it and be like, oh, she's a mom. Or be like, oh, she likes implied swear words. <laughs> um, I wore it at across the years. It's starting to crack a little bit, but yeah. That makes it good. Yeah. Also just like black clothing. Yeah, yeah, same. Is uh, it, it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay. 
What is the last book you read? Oh, I read uh, Too Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud. Oh, is that by the Shrill author? No. No. Surprisingly. Okay. I think is... I already asked you that question when you told me you that. You did. Yes. But, you know, when you're old, things just bounce right off of you. Um, it was more academic than I anticipated. Uh, it was more like individual case studies of powerful women throughout history and how they were too much of something for society to tolerate, oh. which I appreciate. But there are a couple that are about in- individuals that are like pop culture icons that I really hate. Like, one is about Kim Kardashian being too pregnant. And I would rather eat a bowl of dog food than consume any media that discusses a Kardashian, even if... There's my Cleveland accent. Even if it's about feminism. Because I can't wrap my head around how Kim Kardashian is about feminism. But she is. I understand. Was it insightful? It was insightful. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to like it. Uh, and I also like really wanted to love the Broad City chapter more than I did because it was uh, Abby and Alana are too gross for like oh, normal consumption, sure. like for male consumption. Sure. And I, I mean, I really appreciate that because I feel like we fully fucking embody that spirit. Yes. Yes. Can, oh, I guess I shouldn't do spoilers in case people are watching the last season of Broad City. There's a... I yeah, don't. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a point where they're talking about their friendship together and they say to each other, I've never felt cooler than when I'm with you. Oh, oh Annie. I know. Oh, I thought that about us as friends. I, feel like I know. About you. I thought that was like the nice I thought that was like the, the nicest, nicest thing. thing yeah. A friend. Yeah. Oh, no. What about you? Do you read books? I do read books. <laughs> I so I have one that I'm almost finished with that I've blazed through in like two days. Oh, um, wow. I'm, I'm not finished yet, but I have to. I have to say it. It's Thirst by Heather Anderson, oh. who has the fastest known time. Was the I think the only person, not just female. Anderson Ams. No, Heather Anish. Anish, Anish Hikes. Yes. Sorry, I get, I get okay. all my playing cards mixed up. <laughs> Heather Anderson, Beverly Amps. <laughs> yeah, those are two different people. Uh, but yeah, Thirst by Heather Anderson. Uh, she set the fastest known time on the Pacific Crest Trail, concurrently held the fastest known time on the PCT and the AT for a time. Whoa. She broke the overall self-supported record on the PCT, which is what this book is about, is her hiking the PCT after her marriage crumbling apart, quitting her 9-to-5 job. She had oh. been a through hiker and then oh. tried to kind of conform to regular life and was like, I can't do this. And I don't return to the wilderness. Yeah. I think I should probably not read this right now. It's really good. Did, has she, I'm assuming she's completed the CDT. She's got a, she must yes. have, yeah, okay. She just finished this, uh, in 2018, the calendar triple crown. Holy cow. Yeah. So she was already a triple crown. What kind of tattoo do you get when you're done with a calendar triple crown? You just try you just your... wear a yes. physical actual crown. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yeah. It, it's wow. awesome. Wow. All right, dude. Uh, what's the most beautiful place you've ever run, Annie Lang? I have a lot. Yeah, you do. Uh, the one that came to mind, though, was the Never Summer Course. Oh, that was a really hard one. Yes, that but was it was beautiful. At there high was, elevation, right? Yeah, so there was uh, some, like, alpine lakes where, and I was, I was trying to remember the name of the exact lake, but there was one lake you drove by, or drove by, ran by, and... It would be a lot easier race. Yes, and it 
it was so like pristine and the air was so clear. It was just, it was insane. But there was a lot of points on the Never Summer course that were just beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You. I think my favorite place I've ever run is still Central Park. Oh. I think it's. So no, the question was not your favorite. It's it, the most beautiful. I, I also think that might encompass it. Okay. Because I thought for a second maybe New Zealand. Yeah. But I didn't run in New Zealand. Yeah. I hiked. Although you left your backpack or whatever I did a four-mile run. I left my <laughs> rain jacket at the top of a mountain in a hut and had to go back and get it before the sun set. But that was still not that pretty. It was, I would, yeah. it was raining cold and... In spite of the Shire being a beautiful fucking place, it was rainy and cold the whole time I was there, so it was very hard to enjoy. Central Park, I would still say, is one of my most beautiful runs of all time. Wow. Like, almost crying so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's mine. Um, what is a specific instance, uh, when did you, when, say it, okay, why I wrote this question weird. When were you the Your most fault. when were you the most hurt during a race? Oh, yeah, that's very very easy. And I'd like to tell you about it. Okay. It has to be a specific thing, not just a whole race. Oh no. Okay. Right. I got it. Okay. It's when I actually wanted to die, which everyone who listens to this podcast knows about. But I'll tell you a little bit more about the details. I feel like I just I I have an idea of like your top tier suffer fest, but I don't think I could pick the one. So, even so it's I not am like interested. a pain injury, but San Diego 100 at mile 40. Really? That's still the top. That was the most physical discomfort I have endured in my lifetime. Worse wow. than worse than like a tooth rotting out of my head. Worse than a broken worse than broken bones. Uh worse than my hip being out of place and my arm going and my arm and my face going numb. Worse Whoa. than anything ever, because it was a total body discomfort, where it felt like organs were shutting down, and, like, all the gauges were going, mayday, 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 like, all alarms were going off, like, I thought I was going to puke, shit, and stick my eyeballs out of my head, like, everything that could go wrong, if, if I could bleed out of my ears, <laughs> you're fine, <laughs> you, you made me keep going. You know, it's funny to me to you hear really this. You really did. It's funny for me to hear this because your recent retirement from 100 miles, yeah. it's like, that didn't make you want to... No. Like, that Can didn't you hurt it? you enough that you were, Can like, you done after it? this. Just... I puked out margarita shot blocks, like, 16 oh. times into a pile of ants while being covered with black flies, climbing out of a canyon in 100 degrees with you. And as we're coming up to the mile, like, 45 aid station... I looked at the back of you, and you looked at me, and I'm sure I gave you meth face. Mm-hmm. But I thought, nothing, nothing will keep me going. Nothing. I've never wanted to die so badly. And we got there, and you were like, talk to the nurse. And I was like, I feel like I'm dying. And he was like, yeah, you'll be cool. You just need to calm down. Cool down a little. And, then he, and I was like, okay. And I will honestly say to this day, even though I DNF that race, that is the bravest thing I have ever done in my life, is to stuff down that discomfort and hope that maybe I would feel better. And I ended up just sitting and booping on rocks for like the next two hours. 
I let you go. At like mile 49, I was like, go without me. And then we're just going to stay here and shit forever. Yeah, the sunset, and I was like a gremlin on the side of the trail, just shitting and crying. Did anybody pass you while you were No one even noticed me. No one even turned to look at me. It was so dark, and I had no headlamp on. I just imagine you reaching out to strangers for help in the darkness, like, please, I can't stop. Yes, like, like a Tolkien character, just like, like, on a wet rock in the dark, like, leave us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll die. <laughs> so that's it. That's my right. worst, the worst feeling I've ever had in any, in my life. Wow. The worst feeling. What were you going to think? You were thinking it was Tunnel Hill? Um, maybe Tunnel Hill or, uh, when your calf exploded. I didn't even know my calf exploded. Oh. Everyone told me later that they saw the blood dripping down the back of my leg and were like, I didn't know whether to tell you or not. Hmm. That so, was pain, but that was like a, an isolated, singular, in a yeah. place kind of pain, like, youch. Yeah. I think uh, mine would be doing Not Your Mama's 100 the first time. Uh-huh. And I remember descending uh, Barbed Wire Hill, uh-huh. whatever uh-huh. that descent yeah. is called, and... Especially the first time doing a hundred, it everything just hurts so bad because mm-hmm. you have not like calibrated to it yet. Mm-hmm. I remember my hip bones just felt like they were knives, like stabbing yeah. into my yeah. uh, pelvis. Mm-hmm. Like it hurts so bad. And uh, Matt Mitchell was pacing me, and I just like took off down the hill because, and I just literally like screamed in pain the whole way down because <laughs> I was like, "This hurts so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna like rip the bandaid off." But like. Probably the last at least 40 miles, my hip, my like hips and my hamstrings just hurt so mm. bad because mm. you haven't, you haven't calibrated for that pain yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. So. That, the, the, the first time your pelvis shatters is the deepest. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with some light guys here because we're doing heavy. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream? Flavor and or establishment, because here in Columbus, it's highly contentious. Yeah. Obviously. So, I'm going low class, and you're going to notice this theme here. Oh, if you say fucking UDF, I'm going to leave. A cookie dough Dairy Queen Blizzard. Nope. I'm a, although, I decided I'm never going to eat those again, because for some reason, last year, they started tasting metallic to me. Oh. And now I can never unlearn the flavor That's of good. metallic. That's good. Leave great. it alone. It's great. Yeah. I won't ruin that. Um... Yeah, that is lowbrow. Good job. Yeah. It's some hillbilly shit. Uh-huh. Uh, mine is a, a flavor that they only have in the middle of summer at Jenny's, and I always call it the wrong thing, but I think, oh, it's called Supermoon, and it it's blue, bright blue and bright yellow, and it tastes like the milk at the bottom of the bowl after you eat Lucky Charms. Oh. It's the tits. Very bougie, it, Jenny. I mean, it's it's the least bougie Jenny's thing, because it's basically like little kid ice cream. All right. It's wildly colored, and it tastes like Lucky Charms. It's essentially uh, it's Superman ice cream it's from Meyer. It's Superman ice cream. <laughs> it's, exa- it's fancy Superman ice cream. Um, let's do... Uh, who you would consider a role model in life? I'm gonna say in general. In general, like a person that I know or doesn't. Matter. Let's do free for all first. Golly, that's hard. I should have probably looked at that question. 
Um, right now, I am a big fan of Sarah Koenig, who did Serial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that she is, like, super powerful woman who is really uh, uh, self-actualized and also interested in social justice. Um, and she, I've always, I always kind of wanted to be a journalist growing up, and so I think that she's, that speaks to me. Cool. Um, and she's also kind of been uncovering issues that I'm very interested in. So she's up there, but it's definitely not sports related. No, that's okay. That's um, a good one. I I would like to say Shalane Flanagan, but she's uh she's not it for me. She would she would be like the first thing that my brain would tell me I'm supposed to say. And mm-hmm. the reason why she's not it for me is because she actually doesn't have the kind of style of of like perseverance that I'm into. Like I'm more of like mm-hmm. a Devin Yanko kind of woman who are like sure. sometimes you fall down hard and you don't get back up for a minute. And that's kind of the athlete that I respond to better than... To, than I mean, that not like Shalane Flanagan hasn't had her fair share of difficulties. She's just had her leg reconstructed. So, yeah. But she's just a little bit too tough for me. I need someone who suffers worse. Who is not indelible. Yeah. But I do adore her. Huh. Those are good answers. That's much better than anything I think I could give. <laughs> uh, I would say current current role model and... Partly influenced by the book, but partly before, is Heather Anderson. Hell uh, yeah. Child name Hell yeah. Uh, she actually did Barkley the year that we were there, and oh, yeah. uh, she uh, has gotten, she's gotten really far in Barkley, and I think she's done Barkley four times. Wow. In addition to all of the things that I listed before, but um, it's really interesting to read her thoughts of self-doubt as she's hiking the PCT, mm. so just... You know, she's just incredibly resilient and a person who goes out there and does the stuff that no one else is doing. I'm into that. I like that answer. Yeah. Uh, and then probably Emily Forsberg, uh, who is a skyrunner and just happens to be with Killian Jornet uh, as a baby. But uh, uh, I was listening to the Fastest Known Times podcast and she had like two of the top five women's FKTs wow. last year, Whoa. the same year that she had her baby. I was just going to say, I remember a photo of her being pregnant in a garden. Yeah, so recently. one of, uh, so she's very like nature oriented. The fact that she like gardens her own food mm. and is just very earth driven, yeah. as well as being a somebody who is exploring what women are capable and and one of her yeah. specific thing in doing FKTs. And big ones in Europe was... Is beating to, men? Say beating men. No. Was to inspire other women to oh. do them. Because she was like, there's Good. just not very many women going out and doing these kind of things. And I really want to inspire other women oh. to see what's possible. Well, consider me inspired. Yeah. Sheesh. I know. Uh, well, that might cover it a little bit for your favorite female... Well, I'm going to ask you anyway who your favorite female and male elites are. And that might be different because, I don't know, I mean, though Anna Hikes is an elite, she's not exactly a... She's a different flavor. She's yeah. not a trail and ultra runner. Yeah. She is a trail She is a trail person first. Uh, I'm actually going to do my male elite first, because... Um, and I think it's Mike Wardian. Oh, so I love Mike Wardian. He has... So that whole... You also un- happen un- to know him personally. Yeah, so the unbridled enthusiasm thing Mike Wardian has down pat. So It's really cute. He, he runs races of all kinds, of all disciplines, and is excited about every single one. And I think legitimately just races a lot because he likes doing it and has fun doing it. He just set... Uh, FKT on the Israeli National Trail, which goes from end to end of Israel, and like just 
and I I got to be with him for a long time at at Barkley, and he it's not a put on like he legitimately is. Oh no, that, I believe it. He is. Legitimately, I fully believe it. Well, I I I doubt it was very cool. Before that, I kind of thought like, how could you doubt it? You can't be that excited about it, or maybe it's for sponsors or whatever. But then it was like, nope, he's that he's that stoked about it. He's that stoked about racing. It's possible that the two of you ran a very difficult race together. Yeah. And that you maybe assisted him in some way, which I'll yeah. leave vague. <laughs> yeah. Which so is insane. I me, so I love me some Mike Wardian. Um, for female elites, I I admire Courtney DeWalter. Yes. She seems intangible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, just... Kind of when you mentioned Shalane Flanagan, that's what I felt like. Similar. Courtney Dewalt, and I know she's not Unflappable. she's not impervious to things, but like no, but she's pretty impervious. Yeah, but uh, and this is kind of getting into a different topic, but I also wonder if I just put Courtney Dewalter in this like separate category from me, which makes it hard to aspire towards that. But yes. maybe I should not. I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by being like that could never be us, or I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in saying that can never be me. There's a certain amount of speed where people just baseline and then go from there that I can't achieve because my body doesn't want to be there. But, yeah, I definitely appreciate watching Courtney DeWalter go out and just crush, 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 crush. Yeah, very mellow, very effortless, like, it's whatever. Yeah. Tacos and beer, it's cool, I'll just get there if I... Let's get there. So your favorite female and male elite? Uh, my favorite female elite is sort of a retired elite, and that's Lauren Fleshman. Oh, yeah. Lauren Fleshman speaks to my very soul. Previously the fastest middle distance runner in America. Uh, female, you know, mid-distance, and uh, an Olympian. And uh, the host of a very cool podcast, which is called Work, Play, Love, I believe. Um, with her and her husband, Jesse Thomas, who is a, an elite triathlete. Uh, she's basically like, if I didn't have you, I would want Lauren Fleshman. Because she has a lot of the same sensibilities where it's just like, nothing is a catastrophe. Everything will be fine. We can puzzle anything out. And we have to be fucking tough as shit. And I really, like, there's just something about her that's, like, really constructive. Um about the way she attacks everything and she never ever tears herself down and I think a lot of that's out of maturity since she's you know become an older runner yeah but she's definitely it for me she's everything I would like to be yeah and she also has a certain entrepreneurial spirit that she I does. think you have like as far as starting picky bars yeah. and doing starting wilder running writing writing and running retreats yeah. and just you know, being a mom of two, like having a professional, having had a professional running career. She's an amazing person. Yeah. She's definitely my number one. And then for my male elite, I'm going to go old school. It's still, it's good old Tony Kropichka. I swear to God. <laughs> He's just the kind of like weird, mellow dirtbagger that I would just want to hang out with very, like genuinely. Yeah. He's also, in, in all of the people we've talked about, one of the few we haven't met. Oh. If you consider that we've met a lot of the other elites, yeah. we've met a lot of elites. Yeah. Because running's a small community. Yeah. Um, but I've never met him, and he's making his re-entrance uh, into... For the prophecy. For the prophecy in 2020. <laughs> I'm calling it Anton Kropichka with clear eyes, 2020. Oh. Running for his life with clear eyes. I'm going to write a book about him. I'm not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I like his weird, sinewy, Jesus-y body. 
I want to ride cyclocross bikes with him into the sunset, smoke a joint, and maybe make out a little. Just a little. Just a lot. Or a lot. Or a lot. I want to lick your rib bones. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Except for that I've been thinking about it for like eight years. Okay. Moving right along. Moving on. Uh... Race you would love to do regardless of training, timing, your skills, whatever. Yeah, so I think that that for me, this is a surprising answer, but like it, it would require that I would have been training forever for a mountain race. I'd love to do hard rock. Oh, I have, really? I'd rather do hard rock than western states. Yeah. Uh, it just sounds like more fun. It seems like a little bit more family-oriented. It's a little bit less elite-obsessed. Um, it's just seems like a little bit more like loving. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's mine. What's yours? Mine would be Tour de Jantz. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Tell people, please. So Tour de Jantz is. is a, I honestly don't know how, cause I hear things in kilometer distance and I just go like, kilometers is not distance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tour de Jantz is a super long race in Europe and it like it's where everybody goes crazy and loses their mind and hallucinates and has like two two hundred thousand feet of climbing and what's just, wrong with you it's crazy like the i think the first time i <laughs> this is gonna make it sound insane first time i heard about it was a guy who had just run it for his second time and he was talking about these crazy fucking hallucinations that he'd had where oh, man. he like looked over at his pacer and mm-hmm. his pacer was just a torso <gasps> with like his that guts hanging actually gave with his, me like guts hanging goosebumps. out Ew. like uh, just just crazy stuff but um yeah so it's 205 miles and the record for doing it is 60 about 68 hours okay but yeah sounds cool yeah nope but yeah, I would do TDG. Hmm, okay. Oh, also, I want to... Also, before I die, I'd like to do Arrowhead 135. Yes. Yeah. I've talked about it before. It, it's it's just like a... I would settle for a sled race. I'd love to do a sled so race. So if it, You know, if the opportunity came to do the Iditarod, the foot version... The Iditarod know. is also on my bucket list. Yeah. But then again, so was Iron Man when I was 20... When I first lost weight, I was like, I'm going to do an Ironman by the time I'm 30. And then I got in the water and I was like, hey, on the doggy paddle. I, uh, I recently took, I used my, I took my road ID bracelet apart for yeah. something else. And my little plate on it that I had engraved yeah. with like my emergency contacts. At the bottom, I had my Boston qualifying time that I was going for. We all were very messed up we when we all, began. Yeah, we, everyone wants we to go to Boston. Fear. At this point, I'm like, no. <laughs> Mine, I, I had to check my road ID because my contacts are people that would never save me. It's too old. <laughs> people who would let me die. <laughs> uh, who is uh, your favorite non-elite runner? Favorite non-elite runner. I guess that means who's your favorite friend that runs? <laughs> I don't know what I... I wrote this at like 7 a.m. Um... I love me some Lee Connor. Fuck yes. That's a great answer. Uh, so Lee Connor is a powerhouse ultra Powerhouse. Out of the Cleveland area. And also kind of the unflappable, untouchable level. Yes. Like doesn't always have a perfect race, but would never give up. And Lee has done... 
I think like every hundred mile I can think of, yes. we've done it. And yes. she she keeps uh, a really full running calendar. Like, she trains in creative ways. She's kind of a local legend where she wins our local 50Ks all the time. Yeah. She's super fast. She cuts she's super the underwear diverse. out of her shorts, which I think is the baddest fucking thing. That's, it's bad. really cool. That's bad to the bone. That's really cool. <laughs> um, and just has like a really impressive running resume. She just, she has a super high level of energy and enthusiasm for like what she does and just. She's just a straight-up hard-ass. Yeah, she rules. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and say mine is Johnny Rutherford. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I feel like he also has been through the, like, um, imposter thing. Even after finishing a 200, was still like, I don't even really know how I did it. I don't know. This doesn't feel like me. Uh, I relate to that deeply. And also, he's just kind of a mellow party dude, which is what I strive to be for life. Yeah. Even while training. Um, I, I think that's my dude. That's my pick. That's pretty good. That's, those are pretty good. I feel <laughs> like I'm going to come up with one later, too. Um, let's see. You want me to hit you? I can hit you. No, I'm going to You hit you. me, then. When was the last time you cried? <laughs> Hourly. Six minutes ago. Hourly. It's everyone's favorite joke that I'm a little a little weepy. Uh, I actually have to think about this one because maybe it has been more than a few days. <laughs> I almost... I don't know if I'm going to tell you the truth about this one. I might. My dog ate my favorite stuffed animal. Oh. Like, just bit it to shreds. Oh. I know. What a dick move. I know. What was the stuffed animal? It was an owl. Oh. Yeah, and my my husband hid it in the closet in a paper bag so I wouldn't see the Oh, Scott, there's better ways to do that, man. So that I wouldn't see the carnage. And he, like, went out in the middle of the night to three different stores to see if he can replace it without oh. me knowing. But, d- like, like the innards, like, expl- like it looked like... A You're ju- like, I would know if you replaced it. <laughs> I would know. I mean, I would know. But it looked like someone took a scalpel down the belly of it and then, like, exploded it out oh. and then... Carefully pulled out some of oh the intestines. That was the last time I cried. I think that was like Saturday or Sunday. Oh. Yeah. Mine was the Avengers movie. No surprise there. Everyone's been telling me that it's been making them cry. And at surprising times, too. If I would have realized that I had tissues in my purse, I would have been like full, like, full. I would have you just gone, gone. gone. I would have, yeah, yeah, I would have just Niagara let it go. Falls, Like, Johnny. I was legitimately disappointed when I left. I was like, I had Kleenex I in my purse. I could have just. Uh, I really want to see it, but I can't sit through a three-hour movie, Lang. I, know. I, I know. mean, if I could break it up and maybe, you know what, I'll pay for it twice. I'll go see the first half, and then I'll go see the second half on another day. Just wait until you can see it at home in the comfort of your own. Yeah. No, because then it'll be irrelevant. i got to stay up on okay. pop culture. All right. Uh, <laughs> this question sounds self-serving, but I actually do want to hear you talk about it, and that's um, how does your family feel about your running? I say that like it's an addiction, like your your alcoholism because it definitely is that. So how does your family feel about your running? So I'm very lucky in that Andy is. I know we're talking immediate family or we'll do your family. Okay, your so whole family. My uh, so I'm lucky that Andy is also an ultra runner because there are not many couples that are gifted that. No. <laughs> also, my daughter is a endurance athlete already, yes. and granted, she has times where she's like, oh, but. 90% of the time, she totally, 100% gets it. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. Because, cool. uh, yeah, 
We'll see if that changes as she gets older. I can see that changing. Mm-hmm. Um, my next ring out my immediate family. Uh, I'm also super lucky with that. So my first marathon I ran on my dad's 60th birthday. So my dad ran cross country in high school. And even though he didn't run as an adult, uh, he definitely inspired that when I got older. Um, and then I have uh, this weekend actually is Outrun 24. And my mom is running the race, and my little sister is running the race, Yeah. and my husband is running the race. I'm crewing, but, like, I I feel incredibly fortunate that uh, I, one of the things I try to do in my life is motivate and help other people see what they're capable of, Mm -hmm. and the fact that, like, my immediate family hasn't been like, that shit you do is crazy, Mm -hmm. and instead has, like, said, that shit is crazy, and I think I might give it a try. It's awesome. It's it's pretty crazy. Especially and your other sister crewed your first 100 miles. Yes. And she is an incredibly important part of my support system because every time Andy and I have something, she is on Arbor duty and helps watch the dog and do all that stuff so that we can go off and be crazy. Yeah, she's so, awesome. So, yeah. How does your family feel about Some people know that they hate it. <laughs> I think Scotty is ambivalent, essentially. Like, he's... It, it could be anything. Like, I could be really into fencing, and he'd be like, good, you get that done when you need to. So it's not really his thing. He's proud of me when I do something crazy, but, you know, it's not his thing. Uh, my mom would rather die than let me run another ultra of any kind. She thinks it is bad for you. She thinks it's a mental health concern. <laughs> She's not a fan of discomfort. No, no. Nor is she a fan of women being athletic. In general, I would say. Not one of her favorite Sounds things. Sounds awful. I know. Sorry, but it's real. No, that's okay. And she's very, very vocal about it. Like, every time I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to run another hundred, she's like, well, thank God. <laughs> and then I don't want to give her anything. I don't want to say anything about it. My dad is is sort of like, he was impressed with it when I first started doing it. Like, wow, that was far. You went further. And now he's like, huh, is this, is this really necessary? Um, my sister would never, ever, ever, ever want to hear about me running any kind of race of any kind. She, she would roll her eyes at me about any, pretty much any distance. And my brother is super jazzed. He came to me finishing my first 100 miler, and it's probably one of the most important things anyone in my family has ever done for me. There's a lot. Kudos to you, Teddy. What's up, bro? <laughs> what you got, girl? Um... Memorable crew or pacing moment? <laughs> it's definitely your husband forever. Oh, that's great. That's good. <laughs> I mean, if I don't think about it and give the answer, I mean, there are two. The most fun time was when you and I were on the second to last loop of Not You Mamas for your first 100 mile finish. And we listened to like 80s and 90s R&B jams. Uh-huh. And we were like descending down the backside of... I forget what, like the very end, the last three miles after Mm -hmm. the tower. And we were just dancing and the sun was rising and you were making a mileage PR and it was just like, we are all that is man. That was the most fun. The first one that comes to mind though is Andy at Umstead. I don't even know what lap I paced him on. The dead of night. And Andy was so tired. He was looking for ways out of running or he just had no proprioception, but he was actively walking into the ditch on the side of the road. Because I I think he was trying to, like, somehow evade me. Uh, 
Oh, I don't know. He he thought he could lose me if he like fell into a bush and I wouldn't <laughs> want to like, pace him nope, anymore. I'm gonna keep make you keep going. Yeah, even oh, if you fall in the ditch. It, like what? I'm gonna go finish a twelve mile fucking loop on on gravel because it feels fun. No, or and then he also probably very purposely fell asleep in the porta potty, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Uh, he was just like, he was like bong rips high. He was just like, what? I don't know. Where? Sleepiest. He's Sleepiest. so sleepy and so silly and so nonsensical, and it was just like, it was basically like taking a toddler on a 12-mile walk, and it cracked me the fuck up. It's good. <laughs> That's mine. It's good. What's your most memorable pacing experience? So, most memorable pacing. This is a hard one for me, and I couldn't tell you why. I think it's because I go into this, like, weird black hole for crewing and pacing, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. it's like... Bus- like business or like I'll do whatever like I just become a robot that's like tell me what you need yeah. and I'll do it yeah um I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the uh the easy cheap, route the easy route yeah. out which is a someone pacing me memory okay um it's and, your dad no it's no. not my dad it's actually oh. uh Josh Byer <gasps> pacing me at OutRun oh. because it was his First time pacing anyone, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to pace me for, like, I think 20 miles, and, and ended up pacing me for 40. 40. And we had talked before about, I don't even know what, like, I think, was was Troy pacing you, or you, or Troy was running? I think Troy was, Troy was pacing. pacing me. So, I think it was, like, Troy and Josh were, like, it'd be fun to come and pace together or something, like... I knew Josh, but I didn't knew, know him super well. Anyways, we had talked beforehand, and he was kind of like, well, what should I plan on bringing certain foods, or what should I do? Mm-hmm. And I, was, I said, well, be prepared to tell me your entire life story. For real, like, though. Okay. Um, and he started pacing me, and he literally was like, my parents met, and He blah, didn't blah, even blah, hesitate. Like, I, I mean, love And it. literally told me his life story I from his parents meeting to, like, him and his now wife. Like, delightful. It, it was it was awesome. And he th- that was the farthest he'd ever gone. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And, and you guys were going fast. Yes. Yeah, so it was, a, it was an awesome experience. There was the day of my handheld is too hot. Yes. And he held my hot handheld. <laughs> uh, how has ultra running affected your personal life? So... I think the place where I feel this the most, where I feel ultra running the most, is who I'm friends with. And this is a tough one for me. So I have a pretty close-knit circle of friends that I went to school with. Yeah, you do. You do. And there's been some growing pains there because it is... It's easy for you and I to hang out all the time because we run together and drive together to places to run together. Yes. I'm sure we would have found our way to one another eventually, but, like, there's not many hobbies that allow for literally days and hours on end mm-hmm. together with mm-hmm. nothing to do besides right. running and having an opportunity Unless to Unless you're a really good drinker. Yes, that's it. <laughs> uh, so that, it's formed, like, who I spend my time with, which is really, which is really tough because I, I, I would love to spend as much time with, uh friends that I grew up with and it's just not as easy for me to make that work mm-hmm. yeah which sucks on the regular yeah I come to peace with it some but yeah you know yeah so I think for for me that's like the biggest change in my mm. personal life my yeah. voice just cracked I think that well you're you're becoming a man <laughs> um 
You sorry. <laughs> I'm a man now. Um Yeah, mine's the same. It's uh alienating non running friends, I think, has been my problem in the past. And that That's was my, a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And that was my problem when I was a cyclist. I alienated my non cyclist friends. Um and I think that lately I've really been intentional about being less one dimensional. Yeah. It, my running has suffered. So for me, I really have seen quite clearly you can either attempt to be an amateur athlete and do everything you need to do to make that happen or you can have a personal life and be an okay runner and right now I am very much in the mode where like I'm running casually and I have the things that I'm interested in right now yeah and that's oh it feels so nice I am chubbier than I've been than in the last six years but I'm also like really doing some things for myself and my friendships where I'm like feeling like I'm not singing one song which is like ultra running is the best thing come back no no (laughs) and I will because I'll train for BFC and so I'll get back in the fucking boiling stew yeah Uh, and I think it's good to have an ebb and flow to this stuff it's yeah it's the only way that you can make it last but I think that I've just decided that I I have to try to be less one-dimensional as a person no I I say on my ultra running podcast (laughs) (laughs) good Hmm. yeah um what is the biggest running or race mistake that you've made okay definitely this it would be signing up and thinking that grit alone will take me there for example. For example, I'm pretty sure... Well, I don't know. I trained perfectly for Tunnel Hill. I had some body things go wrong. But I think mind-wise, I wasn't stealing myself against it being hard. I just thought, my body's ready. I did everything that I needed to do. And I'll go on my old-fashioned grit, which I think is in there. And I didn't steal myself. Kind of like what happened to you at Angela's Crest, where you're just like, I'm strong. I go there. I do the thing. That's how I went into Tunnel Hill. Instead of being like... This might fucking kill you. Get ready, bitch. Yeah. I didn't do that at all. So I think that's my biggest mistake is like, you know, we always say respect the distance. I really, I think I got cocky and was like, I run hundreds. I'll be fine. It's flat. And I just went in without the benefit of really like toughening my brain. So for me, it's Angela's Crest (laughs) because it was a, it was my first real DNF. Uh, and I signed, I, Andy and I signed up and I did not commit myself to it enough. I think I was just like hundred milers are a thing that I can uh-huh. do. Yeah. And I didn't goof off of my training, but it was like, I didn't do any heat acclimation. Mm-hmm. I didn't specifically think about being prepared for elevation mm-hmm. or the combination of all those mm-hmm. things. And it was such, like, a slap in the face to be, like... <laughs> I, Holy oh, shit. Like, to get to, I think it was, like, 32 or 35 yeah. miles and be, like, what? What? <laughs> like, and, I mean, that was... I, I struggle bust at least 20 miles of that. Wow. Like, it started wow. very, very early. I know that feeling. And uh, Andy was very kind in giving me credit. He was, like, you were suffering for a really long time. Like, I was suffering Aww. for a long time Aww. to get to 30-some miles. Hey, like, just... I've been there. Yeah, so I just completely fucked that one up. And, like, Oops. it was kind of... A, it was kind of... It was very eye-opening to me to be, like, I need to be as mentally committed to every ultra that I do yes. as I yes. was for my very first one, which was, like, 
I'm gonna essentially like live at the race course and practice and yeah, do like loop do. after loop. You know, I think yeah. we should also consider something that we're not thinking about when we answer this question, both of us, which is that like some it is just possible to have really bad days. Yes, that's the kind of uh, annoying thing about the human body is that like there are like kind of some random bad yeah. days. So maybe we should reword this. What is like the legitimately like you did or did not do a thing like based on your decision that like I don't know. I feel like I really have done my best to prepare for everything and I've never gone out at su- nope, that's a lie. Told a lie. Oh two four last year I I was gonna say I never went I never went out at suicide pace in the beginning. And I definitely fucking did at O two four because my watch wasn't working, it was too hot, I was definitely running suicide pace, I'm thinking that I could survive through it and then just completely crapped out and was like, give me a sack of burgers. I wanna go home. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what it did. I'm sure that I have like a mistake that I've like actively oh, oh, really? not done. Oh, really? Do you have one? No, I don't. Oh, oh. You're, you never do anything wrong. Oh, that's not, I know that's not true. Okay, well, please think okay. about it and then write it on a piece of paper and then put it under my pillow so that I can sleep okay. upon it every night. I will. Uh, this is a similar question, but actually I am interested to know how you would respond, which is how has ultra running affected your personality? I think it's changed quite a bit. So on a very topical level, it has made me recognize how tough I am. Mm-hmm. And on a more regular basis made me more resilient to just mm-hmm. kind of be like, ping, ping, ping. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. and being able to put that lens on a lot of things of being like, this is not, not really that hard. That important, or that's yeah. not that hard. Like, yeah. I'm not physically in pain right now. Yeah. My brain still works. Or like, yep. after our whole Ozark debacle, when we were like, we are near, we are near uh, safety. We yes. have food available yes. to us. We have water. To be able to put those things in perspective from time to time, to be like, it's not that bad. I'm not in danger. Mm-hmm. It's a very helpful skill to have. Um, on a deeper level, it has cultivated introspection for me, like oh. to be be an ultra runner because oh. you you do a thing and then you examine how that thing went. You yes. know, so like yes. thinking about like running, it's prepare, a process. For, so preparing for running or racing or just like, you know, getting ready for a long run and then mm-hmm. doing the thing and being like, what did I do? That has broadened into uh, examining myself just more in general, mm-hmm. like, and having the time to for introspection has been really valuable. So like, what are, you know, taking time to discover the things that I value or thinking Whoa. about things that I want to pass Sheesh. on to to my daughter or, you know, working through problems of the day. Like, it just, it has just made me a more uh, purposefully thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. So cultivated introspection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it cultivated confidence because I did things I never thought my body was capable of doing. And so it made things, other things seem so insignificant. Like, the, it, it minimized fear in other places because it was just like, uh, okay, well, I thought maybe I could do a thing. I prepared for the thing, and then I did the shit out of the thing, and it was fucking a 100-mile race. Wow. Okay, cool. How hard can it be to uh, do a TED Talk? You know, it yeah. was just like, uh, why would anything else be scary? And also just feeling, like, competent. Yeah. I feel like I don't know that even in my career before running that I felt like I feel like I was always phoning everything in and now I feel like I have a certain level of confidence in my competency 
So that's mine. So yeah, no small thing. No Confidence s- and cultivated introspection. <laughs> wow, yeah, no small things. Um, tell me a favorite inspirational quote. Doesn't have to be like the best one of all time, but just like something that maybe you pull up from time to time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that a uh, suicide pace is a what, what is it? I mean, you do uh-huh. probably reference that more oh than my the God, only good pace is a suicide, suicide pace, and today is a good, good day, day to die. die. Yeah, that is one of my all-time favorite things, and they have not even verified it. Pre even said it. Whatever, but, um, I'll give it to them. I'm sure there's some like Rumi quote that I'm like forgetting right now about like a lotus floating down a river or something, <laughs> but uh, I should have thought about this one beforehand. No. Okay. Mine's, uh, mine's still pre. Yeah, it's a good... I, I think that's probably the quote I hear you say the most. Yeah, I like it the most. Um, mine is from the book North by Scott Jurek and Jenny Jurek about mm-hmm. his FKT attempt on the Appalachian Trail, and that is, this is who you are, this is what you do. Which, oh, yeah. Uh, Jurek kind of talks about his purpose and wanting to run and, like, what was kind of driving him because he had gone from being a professional athlete to maybe being a little bit... Uh, I don't know, more common, I'll say, yeah. living among the commoners yeah. and trying to get back into doing some heavier stuff and kind of examining his motivation. And David Horton actually said that to Scott Jurek, and that's how it, they close out the book is that quote again. Aww. And I just thought, like, it's 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 just very comforting to me. Like, Aww. that's just part of, like... Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Oh, I have a non-running one that I love, uh, and I will have to look up what poet said it. But I always feel a certain level of danger quoting things on a podcast because someone somewhere is Googling it to make sure it's true. Don't worry. It's horribly out of context. Okay, well, this is it's like, totally wrong. Not how I used to... It's close. How, how I used to reference a uh, Martin Luther King <laughs> Jr. quote to Dean Carnassus. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that okay. I've set the stage, you now can't do much worse than that. Yeah, that can't be worse. Which is, um, there's a poem that my mom used to read to me when I was a kid. And one of the lines is, home is the place where they take you when you have to go. Oh. And it's one of my favorite feelings. Yeah. Like, when everything crumbles and everything is bad, that, like, that there's still, like, this beacon somewhere for you to go be safe. And really, it's just love. It's not a place. Yeah. But, like, that has always been dear to me. You know, dramatic old mom and her poems. You know what's funny, though? Uh, So we as a Lang family, when we did, like, our first kind of extended road trip, Arbor had mentioned something about being homesick. And Andy and I, Hmm. who are not very attached to houses, um, we said... Uh, we talked about home is wherever we are. Yes. And so we've always referenced that. Like, home is where we are. Sure. Like, that, like yes. there's no physical attribute attributed to that. Right, like, right. Um, so, yeah. Kind of I feel like that vein. lately. Yeah. Uh, is it me or you? You. Okay. What sport would you most like to try? Skydiving. That's not a sport, but okay. Really? Is I it? I skydiving is kind like of I guess sport. if you get good at it. Okay. Well, the second one, which I kind of tried, but I'm not going to count it, would be roller derby. Oh, I would yeah, 1,000% yeah. do roller derby. Yeah, that seems like you. I wouldn't want the bruises. Yeah. I'd like to smash a bitch. Like, I mean, I say that I say that, and mine is boxing, so... <laughs> yeah, yes. you're right. We apparently both want to yes, smash a bitch. very violent. <laughs> <laughs> I would like... Actually, I would, the sport I would like to try is full contact ultra running. <laughs> Oh, you mean like when our friend Tyler was running the Boston Marathon and someone body checked her and separated her shoulder I, at mile 16? Yeah. I, what? 
That's, yeah, I want to do that. Contact. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You just want to race with your whole fucking body. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is... What is your favorite color? Um, a, <laughs> tell me a pump-up song. And may, for me, I always kind of have, like, a long-running pump-up song that kind of always works, mm-hmm. along with, like, a current pump-up song that I know I will probably burn out with in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So feel free to do, like, the two categories of, like, a classic and a current. Oh, God. So the classic is Don't Stop Me Now, my queen, forever. Oh. Uh, it's really a frenetic song. Yeah. It is basically just, like... It's basically like dancing in, in place until your fucking head Didn't we explodes. play that at the end of Mohican? Yes, we, we did. did the that's, 50 miler, and that right. was great. So that that's was my, so great. That's my classic. And then my currents might be like Lizzo or... I don't know. There's like a... But I, basically, all of Blueprint by Jay-Z is my like Kool-Aid man through a wall kind of... Like, if I needed to run a 5K today, I would listen to that. Is there maybe any Eminem songs you would like? Oh, God damn it, Lang. Why do you have to expose me? Yeah, there might be a song about spaghetti, perhaps, or something to that effect. No, is that even the right one? No. What's the one where I always mistake the lyrics for when my balls fall out? You know, that song. Okay, whatever. When my balls fall off. Whatever. By Eminem. Whatever Eminem song that you've listened to previously where you thought the lyrics might be, Till My Balls Fall Off, that's that's the one. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, wait. That's your question. Back to you. Yeah, yeah. So your classic and your current. Um... Uh, there's a song called When I Was Done Dying by Dan Deacon. That I always really like. I know. It sounds like a country music song. No, Dan Deacon is uh, the artist that Ricky Gates oh, yeah, likes yeah, to yeah, partake yeah, yeah. in. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's creepy fucking music. That's the kind of stuff that feels like Chinese water torture yes. on my forehead. Yeah. There's definitely a whole genre of music that you can't, can't listen, listen to, to that I that Anything I like that get re- into the groove repetitive in. Repetitive stuff. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh, and then current currently is Soulmate by Lizzo. Yeah, see, Lizzo's oh, a jam, yeah. for, especially for, like, feeling yourself, oh, yeah. being in your body. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, a women or girls camp leader. Fuck yes. Uh, I would like to be a motivational speaker. Even if I'm not currently good at anything, <laughs> I'd like to be motivational about it. We can combine those things. Yeah, we can make a business out of that. Uh, what athletic achievement are you most proud of? Another one that I probably should have read beforehand. Um, I feel like I could tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Tell me. You know yeah. Uh, BFC last year. Yes. That was the best day of running of my life. You are right. I would not have remembered Are you that most one. proud of that? I feel like there's a difference uh, no, between... No, Ozarks I'm most proud of. Oh. Yeah. I'm most proud of it because it just looks good on paper. Because we live. Because <laughs> we live. Hi-ya! Living! Uh, but the most, like, the most insanely strong I ever felt in a race in my life was BFC last year. I, I never thought it would be possible to climb that many mountains and then run it in at, like, 812. I've never felt so invincible in my life. I felt like a real runner. Like a real runner. I just want to point out again that the ascent up rat jaw, you were like the fifth fastest person or something. Like, uh, it was some, cra- you were like in the top 10 times of going up rat jaw I, out of everyone, which is insane. It's just like, I, my whole summer was leading up to rat jaw. Like, I felt like I knew it. I knew how to do it. I knew that stopping doesn't make you feel better and that if you keep going you'll feel the same way the whole way up and it's bad and that's fine 
and just to not be afraid because I knew what to anticipate. I knew exactly the type of pain to anticipate. And I relished it. I relished every fucking moment of Rat Jaw. So, yeah. That's when you were most proud. Thank you. You're welcome. What about you? I actually, that didn't actually come to I didn't have that in mind when I wrote the question. Um, mine is being a two times Not Your Mama's 100 finisher because yeah. it is such, it's kind of a niche thing. So Not Your Mama's is a 100-mile race that was held in Chillicothe at Great Seal State Park. And it was one of those things that completely epitomized the idea of wanting to do the thing that nobody else wants to yeah, do. Yeah, no one wants to run that so course. So it was this super local, super hard 100-miler that people just didn't make, like, their A race. And that was my first 100, and then you and I both ran it the following year, and I'm I'm the only female to have ever done the 100-mile twice there. It's amazing. So I'm super proud of that. Yeah, that's sweet. Um... Even though it, it means nothing to most people. That's that's where my grit came Those from. Those who know, know, yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most beloved thing, physical thing, that you own? So I was kind of surprised by the answer that came to my brain, but it totally oh. makes sense. My car. Yeah. So I drive a Honda Pilot that is becoming more and more of a person to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is... Which is uh, yeah, it can maybe a warning sign of something, but I just, it is my, like, safety thing. I yeah. mean, it's what literally took us to safety in the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. It's carried us to many ad- uh, an adventure. It housed my family for three weeks when we were in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's gone across the country probably eight times now. Yeah. Um, and it just is where, it's like where I get jazzed up to do a hard thing. Mm-hmm. It's where I rest mm-hmm. after I've done the hard thing. Like... Yeah, I love it as it's, much as you it, do. Like, I think my car is more my ha- my home than my house is. Mine's my car, too. Yeah. And is it really? It is. It's the element. It's my favorite thing. It needs to be fixed very badly, so I, d- I don't have good feelings about it right now. It's like being in a fight with a boyfriend. I should really fix it. I should really tend to the needs of my vehicle before it breaks up with me completely. I know. I did, like, the $2,000 worth of work that my car That's needed. That's what I have and to now do. now I need... A, it needs another three that I'm just like, I oh, can't get it. I just gotta get... You I could gotta have do a it. brand new pilot. <laughs> yeah, do I know. Want, can I tell you my second favorite thing? Yes. It's the compass you gave me. <gasps> yeah. So for my birthday, Lauren gave me a compass that's uh, an antique that has... The road less traveled poem and the engraved on the top, like it's it's so good, like it's so many parts of me in one object. Like I'm not a person that's super connected to many physical things, but you know, if I had to have a go bag, it would be my family a compass in my car. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what my number two is. Well, I think my my piano or my Barclays, my BFC, um, Warpins. Really cool. Yeah. My, my piano also needs to be fixed, so I'm kind of in a fight with everything that I love right now. <laughs> Sounds Shoot. like you have some things you need to tend to. Yeah, it's F sharp above middle C. It fucking sucks. Uh, is it your question or my question? Yours. Mine, okay. Um, what was the last podcast you listened to? Be honest. If it was our own podcast. No, it actually it. wasn't. No, it wasn't. We listen to our own podcast sometimes, yeah. okay? You have to taste it to see if it's good. If we, didn't eat our, if we didn't eat our home cooking, how could you trust us? Right? Um, mine's probably Reply All, almost always. It's my favorite podcast of all time. It, it's also my favorite. They went through a phase where 
they didn't I, put I on think it anything. was between seasons, but it wasn't that clear. I think that maybe someone was, they were working on other Gimlet Media joints, we'll yeah. call them. <laughs> but I agree, Reply All is also probably I think my favorite podcast. best podcast probably ever made, because it's basically, it's like, This American Life can sometimes be a little bit out of touch, even mm-hmm. though it's beautifully produced. It's sort of it's like, like the next generation. It's of the this, next generation yeah. of this American life. And there's something like also accessible and not to say that Ira Glass is not nerdy, which he is indeed. There's something really accessibly nerdy about PJ and Alex mm-hmm. where I feel like I wouldn't be intimidated to hang out with them for a whole weekend. I really like them as people. I think it was Radio Lab recently was like, "Hey, donate and you could win like the opportunity to come to New York and go bowling with us. And I was like, I, I wouldn't want that. I'd be too nervous. <laughs> but if Reply All was like, donate, and yeah. you get a chance to go bowling with PJ Vote now, Fuck yes, yeah, I, I would. would. Be like, yeah, yes. Absolutely, yes. Also, Adventure Zone, my Dungeons & Dragons podcast is my second Adventure favorite. Zone, that's what it's called? Do you not know that I listened I to this? I didn't know. I've listened to 50 hours of it in a very short amount of time. Adventure Zone. These okay. are also, like, some of the most famous podcasters in America. It's yeah. the guys from My Brother, My Brother, and Me. No. no, just the most famous podcasters in America. Like, it's like it's, okay. it's like when it's the number one YouTubers, and I'm like, I don't sure, know sure, who sure. that is, and I don't know what like the it's latest like Ariana Grande, Grande song or Grande, <laughs> Grande. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know pop culture either, but I know about nerds making podcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know about I know. a lot of them. Uh, I last listened to a. a for the first time, I listened to an episode of The Daily Rundown with Mario Fratoli. Is it a running podcast? It's a running podcast. I can't listen to running podcasts. I, I, I think they're so fucking boring. A lot of them are. Sometimes I like to listen to running podcasts as I run, though. Nope. Don't I care know. about it. Tried forever and cannot get down with any of them. Yeah, and the other thing I just finished binging a bunch of episodes is Humans of Ultra Running, which is Candace Burt's, which don't yell at me. She's, she's a very good interviewer. She was better at give and take than other interview at the style podcast about running. <laughs> oh no, I think it just tingled a little. Um, Annie Lang. <laughs> yes, Lauren Craft. How would you like to die? That's easy. A terminal illness. <laughs> I would like something that is not a surprise, that I get to say goodbye to everyone, and do all my last wish things. I've never thought of this solution. It would be terminal illness. I've never thought of that. Specifically, I know it's horrible, but I think it would be, I think I would pick cancer. I wouldn't want like ALS no. or no. any like... Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree with this answer. Yeah. I mean, now that you've said it, I kind of want it too, but I think I would just like for a strong wind to blow me off the top of a mountain. But I've considered that too. I don't... Oh, I know. It would be really painful for, for my loved Yeah, ones, I don't know. Certainly. And like, yeah, I, I because I just think about people being like, yeah, they might be like, oh, she died doing what she loved, or they'd be like, she was an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how people feel about people who do, like, yes. we loved bears and he was eaten yeah. by one, and people are like, <laughs> right. fucking, you right. had what, you had right. it coming, yeah. Timothy Dreadwell. And I, 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 I just really don't want to be the person that, like, dies by getting hit in the head by a toilet seat or something. <laughs> that, like, fell like, out of a plane. I don't want a fluke, like, yeah. a fluke crazy death. I definitely don't want a fluke crazy death either. But I also feel like I'll never feel done living, which is a nice thing to feel lately. Yeah. Is that I, I, I always want more life right now. I feel real lucky to feel that feeling. 
As a side note, I have a goal of having a healthier relationship with the idea of death. Dude, that's what I'm about right now. I've been reading like crazy about the the change in death culture in America and like how we treat death and how we look at death, how we bury people, how we treat dead bodies. I am fascinated with it and I want to be totally in touch with it Mm -hmm. because otherwise we just like bury it and never, ever talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I've lost a lot of people, a lot. And my grandma is sitting on my nightstand physically. of her grandmother and then I was like no her grandmother actually sitting oh ashes I think she means her ashes (laughs) she would love that joke no but I you know I just pictured her like somehow at half size just perched on top of my nightstand yes Uh like a little forest spirit a little bit sleepy let's not get the giggles (laughs) yeah grandma craft is elf on a shelf oh god so you would also like to die via terminal illness as it turns Specifically out... Specifically cancer. I didn't know that, but yes, I would also like to die of cancer. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any... Oh, you know what a happy medium would be? Hmm. Is like an infection from an injury. That would no, also... that would be too fast for me. Okay. I'd I... also like the opportunity to be very brave. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucked up. Anyway. It's very fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to ask it. Mm-hmm. Um... Tell me a guilty pleasure cool. of any kind. Oh, my God. My life is consumed solely by guilty pleasures. Tell me, the, try and think of, like, the trashiest one or one that you actually don't want to say. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Wait, is it, though? Oh, God. I don't know. I like so many bad things. Um, Golly. Can I come back? We can do a couple of these. I'll tell you one of mine. I've got a billion. Mine is gas stations. Oh, yes, it is. Yours I know that's pretty broad, but for me, stations. like... You like gas station I love, food, gas yep. station clothing. You like shitty rock star energy yep. drinks. Yep. You like... I like gas stations You like lot. novelty items from mm-hmm. gas stations. Yes, mm-hmm. that is totally I love you. a good gas station. And those places that have, like, giant mm-hmm. novelty truck stops. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Some of my um, guilty pleasures are probably, like, anything ever made by Joss Whedon. I love all oh. of the shows that Joss Whedon has ever made, and I've watched all of them many times. I've never seen Firefly. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) I also uh, owned all the comic books from uh, Buffy and Angel, which I got rid of because a shitty boyfriend made me feel bad about it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, But what else? There's definitely like modern stuff that I watch that no one else would think is cool. I don't know. Uh, You know, I I play board games for fun sometimes, which is very unlike me. They finally found some that kids with ADHD can play. Yeah. (laughs) There's got to be something else, like, really that pisses people that would be like, that's gross, I hate that. And I can't think of what it is right now. I don't know. I'll have to come back to that. I'll have to, like, expose it later. Can you think of something that I like that people hate? Pop music? Uh... There's got... I feel like we're we're skipping something important yeah, here. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Gilmore Girls, Veronica Mars. Uh, I like a lot of trash TV that involves strong female leads. <laughs> Somebody out there is like, I hate that. I hate TV with strong female leads. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Uh, yeah, that's all I can think of right now. Okay. I mean... 
I don't know what do I what do I indulge in where you're like, ew, Lauren, ew. I don't, I don't think there's many bad TV and comic books. I don't know. Also, I think guilty pleasure implies any guilt, and I think we're both pretty shameless in our lives. Oh, oh, stuffed animals. That's one of that is something that yeah, I don't want to say. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely stuffed animals. I think it's that's very it. girl. It is very girl. I it shouldn't took, say that. That's it took me like three and a half years to tell my husband that. And then I was hoping that like I would get an influx of teddy bears. And I was like, okay, any day now. Nope. He finds it as disgusting as you do, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Anne Lang, where would you rather live? So, I consider this often. There's like parts of different places that I like. Like I like the landscape of Colorado and mm-hmm. Denver. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not cool enough to live in Denver. Mm, like, really it's not super accessible. Yeah. There's a lot of places in the Pacific Northwest that I would want to live. The fire season fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's like scary. enough to not that live legit there. scary. So, yeah. I think my answer is Asheville. Oh, Asheville, North very Carolina. groovy, yeah. also, but very humid, which is why it's not on my list. Mm. I'm done with living in the bog. No I don't more. mind the bog as much as like, because uh, Phoenix is a Phoenix is up there too. But there's a scrubbiness to that area. Yeah, that I there don't is. Care for. That's why you should go to Tucson. And I thought about Flagstaff, except for Way Ryan Gelfi had talked about they actually lived in Flagstaff for uh-huh. a while, and he was like, "You still have to like drive to some of the trail." Unbelievable. And I thought like. You know, not that's, worth a, it. that's a thing. I want, like, trails literally out, out of my backyard. Yeah. So more specifically, Asheville. Even more specifically, Chris Geekus' home. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Uh, I think mine used to be San Francisco until I went to San Diego. <laughs> oh. Because the trail systems there are freaking nuts. And I would also like to be the kind of person that knows how to trail run, mountain bike, and then knows how to surf. I would like to make myself that kind of triple threat. That sounds fucking chill. San Diego it is. And the weather is insane. Yeah. Um, first time an athletic effort made you cry? Uh, I think... I, I know, I did not cry when I finished my first 5K. Um, Oh, okay. No, I've got it. Oh, shit. This is scary. Oh. Um, yeah, that was when I was racing a road race at Lake Hope on a, um, on a bicycle, on a road bicycle. And I was perfectly trained up. I had raced there two times before that, and it was always just short of, of winning. And that time I arrived with all the fitness, all of the confidence. We got to the top of the first climb, and I dropped my chain and had brand new clips on my pedals. I couldn't come on clip from my pedals and I slammed down onto the ground onto my hip and ended up ripping my crotch open and needing stitches. Literally. Literally, I ripped my vagina open. We can say those things for yeah. grown-ups. Yeah. I, I ripped my vagina and needed stitches in my vagina. Holy shit. And then the race left me. And then I sat in a pile of my own blood with a broken bike and cried, not because my vagina hurt, but because... I missed the opportunity to do something great. And this is one of the times that Chris Arndt said this thing to me that I'll never let go of, which is like, you are so lucky to be a part of something that you got to 
feel the desire to like want to do that and not be able to do it. like you are a real athlete now if your investment in this makes you feel this desperate you are a real athlete and then I felt like yeah I want more of that in my I life I want more of that but yeah and then I hitchhiked I, I hitchhiked back to the start and like a couple and a pilot or something put me and my bike in their car on the way back because they didn't want me to bleed on their seats because my crotch was covered in blood. That's intense. That's way... Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> uh, mine was more of this, like, a kind of topical thing, and it was training for my first ever half marathon, the Austin 3M Half Marathon, and... Like the tape company? Yes, like okay. the tape company. Got it. And they, which our goodie bags had lots of different tape products in it, which Groovy. is kind of great. Yeah. Uh, so, me... My husband, Andy, and my dad were all doing this uh, half marathon, and we were doing all of the training together as well, and we were doing a structured training plan. And we were doing one of the speed workouts, and it was, like, such a hard yeah. pace effort yeah. that I was, like, hyperventilating and crying about how hard it was as, Can't I, imagine was, as I was doing it. Like, Can't imagine you doing that. Um and you know when you first start ramping up like your speed and mm-hmm. stuff like when and I was like a new runner like this was I think in the same year I started like it wasn't long after I'd started running and everything seemed incredibly scary like yeah. it was like I don't know if I can every long run it was like I've never run six miles before right. and like speed workouts felt incredibly difficult and yeah I had not considered because I was a new runner how drastically different my speed capabilities would be compared to you know a male in his prime and somebody who had been running the majority of his life fuck that sucks yeah that's unfair yeah aww and probably because I cared you know you cry because you care right totally Uh, I'm cashed out what about you cashed out Uh, first race you ever ran I think you said was the commit to be fit yeah Um, I started to think it was a race that I did in 2010 I actually did a fitness one mile walk with my friend Raina that I lived with in San Antonio and she had like she was like not active at all I don't know anything about this person yeah so she is who I drove with from Texas to Washington as she moved back to Alaska nope don't know that story we'll have we'll have have to cover that later so I think that was, like, the very first thing that I did. But, like, looking at 2010, and again, when you're not doing ultras, you can do a shit ton of races in one year. I have, like, all of these, like, 5Ks and stuff that I did in 2010 and a couple warrior dashes, which yeah. were just the best. Yeah. Um, but then I thought my first real race, because, again, I've heard this question asked of many people on, like, Ultra Runner podcasts. I think my first real race was I was on a relay team in high school. We had one track meet. And I threw shot. What? I threw shot what? and disc in my on my track team when I was a freshman. Kind I think of I was cool. a freshman. Kind of cool. And so one of the track meets they did, I forget what they called it. It was like I don't think it was a Clydesdale team, but it was like a heavyweight Aww. team. Like so they we the, all the throwers were on a relay team. Oh, that's so bad it was as me hell. and three other people who like threw they shot. They call them Athenas, you know. The yeah, female so version of a Clydesdale yes. is an Athena. Yeah, so maybe it was an Athena relay team. Anyway. That's bad as so hell. So, like, we, it was the 1600 meter relay or whatever, so everybody ran a 400 meters. And, like, I, so I remember somebody afterwards was like, you would have done 
really good if there was a 300 meter option. <laughs> you because sailed I, and then exploded. I just remember like blasting off as hard as I can. And I'm saying 400 meters in my memory. It was probably 200 meters. But I just remember like blasting off and for 100 meters being like, I should have been doing this the whole time. And then it was like, <laughs> no. Like, but crashing. Yeah, I think that was like my first maybe real race was through that. That's really so surprising. I wouldn't, I didn't know anything about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Who knew you were an Athena? Uh, what is your favorite alcohol? Red wine. A dry red wine forever. It, and actually, it's like part of why I thought like I could, could, could quit drinking forever last summer. And then I remembered that it would be like a life without wine? sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yes. It'd be like never eating cookie dough again. Uh, my favorite alcohol is champagne. But that's not a thing that I can always drink. No, because it will ruin your brain. Oh, it's not because of that. It's too it gives sweet. You it's a too mind. sweet for it me to drink that like, well, like not, always. That's because what you like is it's a Kool-Aid. shitty. I shitty... like bubbly, boozy Kool Aid. Yeah, that's not even sh- okay. You call it champagne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then probably my favorite, like if I had to drink every day. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be like a Paloma. Oh, yummy! Yeah, that's right in the middle of the road for me. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mine's a red wine or like a cocktail wise I love a Oh god, you know what one of our guilty pleasures is? What? It would Oh, be- Rockstar and Champagne. Yeah. Don't please don't tell anyone that. <laughs> we like to mix Rockstar and Champagne because it is the best of all beverages. It, it's great. There is nothing. And better. we're just people who never want to be sleepy or tired. No, I mean never. it's like snorting a line of coke off a hooker's ass and then doing a bong rip. That's what <laughs> that's what Rockstar and Champagne is. But like. if you do that and drink champagne and Rockstar <laughs> Uh, last question, and I completely ripped it off of uh, Michael Owen in his Trail Talk YouTube uh, yeah. series. If you could run with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and where would you go? I would like to run with Ricky Gates again. Oh. And I would go to the Pyrenees with him. That's, uh, that's pretty great. Ricky Gates is uh, an incredible, famous mountain runner. But also just kind of another dirtbag who likes to uh, just go on really weird adventures, like ran across America, did some really cool motorcycle adventures, hosts some really cool tours, um, and he's just like the least judgmental person in the world, and he's very interested in everyone having fun, and like just has this incredible Zen master command of, the, of climbing. And I think that that has taught me something. And he's just fun to be around. I yeah. just adore him. Yeah, that's mine. Uh, I think mine would probably be my grandpa Hartley. So my dad's oh. dad. He ran? Uh, no, but he did, uh, we'll say excursions. So like as a kid, like. <gasps> Some walkabouts? He, yes. Um, he went down in the Grand Canyon and then got uh, mule out. Oh. Yeah. Like, took like the mule train out. Oh, on yeah. purpose. He yeah, didn't yeah. get extracted. No, on, pers- on purpose. Um, and like, you know. Went to Hawaii all the time, and, like, uh, I guess when he was younger, he, like, walked across Lake Michigan when it was, like, frozen in some part or something. Isn't that a Sufjan Stevens song? (laughs) Anyways, so I, so I would, I would probably go with my grandpa Hartley to do Rim to Rim to Rim, or do something like, crazy, because, again, we're saying no holds barred. Yeah, sure, sure. Or just take him with me to do TDG. (laughs) Oh, you can yeah. shrink them down a half size like I did with my grandma craft and my nightstand. Yes. And you just put them in a backpack. I have to say, like, a second thing, too. If I 
I I desperately want to run, and I think he does too, want to run 100 miles with my dad. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah. He's very capable. Mm-hmm. You hear that, Dad? You're very capable. Yeah. Said no one to their dad ever about running 100 miles. He's being miles. extra retired right now, so oh. he hasn't been running. So he needs to get his oh. tuchus in gear. Yeah, you better work, Chris. You better work. I think that's it. So this is our this has been our questions episode. Uh, as I mentioned, feel free to ask us any questions online, and I, I I feel relatively comfortable saying that we will pretty much answer anything. Yeah, I mean, I told you some dirt today, so you, I mean, yeah, hit bring us out with, the heavy hitters. Yeah, hit us with the I heavy. Love a weird, I love a weird question. Me too. I love a weird, inappropriate, yeah. thought provoking, dark. I'm pretty transparent about yeah. most of my weirdies. Mm-hmm. So I'm down. Yeah, let's clown. Uh, and while you're on the interwebs, you should like us on Facebook, review us on po- on a podcast, on podcast, where you get your podcast. And you should note that we are now available on another platform. Yeah, we just got on Spotify, which is not a great accomplishment that we had to jump through a bunch of hoops, but it looks pretty fucking cool. That means you can ask your Google Home or Alexa to play the Burf Bar podcast. I didn't know that. That's so, super tight. But yeah, as every other podcast mentions, make sure to like and review us because it helps other people find us. And we love hearing about the word of mouth. Um, people telling friends of yeah, friends of friends to listen. Being in high banks on a Saturday morning and having people be like, you're Burf Barf! is like the best feeling I've ever had in my it's, life. It's really fun. So Tell your friends. So do us a solid. And, you know, like us on wherever you see us. Wow! We talked a lot. Love you guys! Bye! Bye!